Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on the Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for Original Edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're uh, concluding our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 9, Creating versus the Self-Image. And uh, at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today is Lesson 37, My Holiness Blesses the World. And uh, the usual, our usual leader in that, Fran, is out again today, um, caring for a brother. So we are looking for a volunteer to lead the lesson. At the top of the hour. Brain fart on the time there. Okay. Yes. All right, let me ask uh, Lori, do you have an opening for us this morning? I do, Lemoyne, and it's an anonymous quote, but I think it's perfect for my holiness blesses the world. It goes like this. Nothing in nature lives for itself. The rivers do not drink their own water. The trees do not eat their own fruit. The sun does not shine on itself, and flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. My holiness blesses the world. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Oh, thank you, Lori. That was just perfect. Thank you, Lori, and thank you, Anonymous. I love that. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I loved it, too. Yeah, great. Thank you, Mark. Okay, well, with us in reading this morning, we have Lori, Harrison, Karen, Lana, Jessica, and Robin Marie. Uh, with us and listening, have Judy. Is there anyone else I've missed who would like to join the reading list or just say good morning? Good morning. This is Donna, and if you need me, yes, I can read. Thank you. Well, welcome, Donna. Thank you.
All right, I'll go ahead and get it started here in Chapter 3, <clears throat> Section 9. Creating versus the self-image. Every system of thought must have a starting point. It begins with either a making or a creating, a difference we have discussed already. Their resemblance lies in their power as foundation. Their difference lies in what rests upon them. They are both both our cornerstone third time. Both are cornerstones for systems of belief by which men live. It is a mistake to believe that a thought system which is based on lies is weak. Nothing made by a child of God is without power. It is essential to realize this because otherwise you will not understand why you have so much trouble with this course and will be unable to escape from the prison which you have made for yourselves. Boring. Uh, Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 9, Creating versus uh, self-image. Every system of thought must have a starting point. It begins with either a making or a creating, a difference which we have discussed already. Their resemblance lies in their power as foundations. Their difference lies in what rests upon them. Both are cornerstones for systems of belief by which men live. It is a mistake to believe that a thought system which is based on lies is weak. Nothing made by a child of God is without power. It is essential to realize this, because otherwise you will not understand why you have so much trouble with this course and will be unable to escape from the prisons which you have made for yourselves. 73. You cannot resolve the authority problem by depreciating the power of your mind. To do so is to deceive yourself, and this will hurt you because you know the strength of the mind. You also know that you cannot weaken it any more than you can weaken God. The so-called devil is a frightening concept because he is thought of as extremely powerful and extremely active. He is perceived as a force in combat with God, battling him for possession of the souls he created. He deceives by lies and builds kingdoms of his own in which everything is in direct opposition to God. Yet he attracts men rather than repels them, and they are seen as willing to so-called sell him their souls in return for gifts they recognize are of no real worth. Thank you, Lori. And Harrison? Section 3. You cannot resolve the authority problem by depreciating the power of your mind. To do so is to deceive yourself. And this will hurt you because you know the strength of the mind. You also know that you cannot weaken it 
any more than you can weaken God. The so-called devil is a frightening concept because he is thought of a um, as extremely powerful and extremely active. He is perceived as a force in combat with God, battling him for possession of the souls he created. He deceives by lies and builds kingdoms of his own in which everything in direct is in direct opposition to God. Yet he attracts men rather than repels them. And they are seen as willing to so-called sell him their souls in return for gifts they recognize are of no real worth. 74. This makes absolutely no sense. The whole picture is one which man acts in a way he himself realizes is self-destructive, but which he does not choose to correct and therefore proceeds to cause as beyond his control. We have discussed the fall or separation before, but its meaning must be clearly understood without symbols. The separation is not symbolic. It is an order of reality or a system of thought that is real enough in time, though not in eternity. All beliefs are real to the believer. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. I'm going back one one sentence. Yet he attracts men rather than repels them, and they are seen as willing to, quote-unquote, sell him their souls in return for gifts they recognize are of no real worth. 74. This makes absolutely no sense. The whole picture is one in which man acts in a way he himself realizes is self-destructive, but which he does not choose to correct, and therefore perceives the cause as beyond his control. We have discussed the fall or separation before, but its meaning must be clearly understood without symbols. The separation is not symbolic. It is an order of reality or a system of thought that is real enough in time, though not in eternity. All beliefs are real to the believer. 75. 
the fruit of only one tree was for was quote unquote forbidden to man in his symbolic garden. But God could not have forbidden it or it could not have been eaten. If God knows his children, and I assure you that he does, would he have put them in a position where their own destruction was possible? The so-called tree, which was forbidden, was named quote-unquote, tree of knowledge. Yet God created knowledge and gave it freely to his creations. The symbolism here has been given many interpretations, but you may be sure that any interpretation which sees either God or his creations as capable of destroying their own purpose is in error. Thank you, Karen. And Lana. Page 75. The fruit of only one tree was, in quotes, forbidden to man in his symbolic garden. But God could not have forbidden it, or it could not have been eaten. If God knows his children and I assure you that he does, would he have put them in a position where their own destruction was possible? The so-called tree, which was forbidden, was named the tree of knowledge, in quotes, tree of knowledge. Yet God created knowledge and gave it freely to his creations. The symbolism here has been given many interpretations, but you may be sure that any interpretation which sees either God or his creations as capable of destroying their own purpose is in error. 76. Eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge is a symbolic expression for incorporating into the self the ability for self-creating. This is the only sense in which God and his souls are not co-creators. The belief that they are is implicit in the, in quote, self-concept, a concept now made acceptable by its weakness and explained by a tendency of the self to create an image of itself. Its fear aspect is often ascribed to fear of retaliation by a, in quotes, father figure, a particularly curious idea in view of the fact that no one uses the term to refer to the physical father. It refers to an image of a father in relation to an image of the self. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica... Thanks, Lemoyne. Um, 76, eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge is a symbolic expression for incorporating into the self the ability for self-creating. <clears throat> this is the only sense in which God and his soul are not co-creators. 
the belief that they are is implicit in the, quote, self-concept, unquote, a concept now made acceptable by its weakness and explained by a tendency of the self to create an image of itself. Its fear aspect is often ascribed to fear of retaliation by a, quote, father figure, a particularly curious idea in view of the fact that no one uses the term to refer to the physical father. It refers to an image of a father in relation to an image of the self. 77. Images are perceived, not known. Knowledge cannot deceive, but perception can. Man can perceive himself as self-creating, but he cannot do more than believe in it. He cannot make it true. And as we said before, when you finally perceive correctly, you can only be glad that you cannot. But until then, the belief that you can is the central foundation stone in your thought system, and all your defenses are used to attack ideas which might bring it to light. You still believe you are images of your own creation. Your minds are split with your souls on this point, and there is no resolution while you believe the one thing that is literally inconceivable. That is why you cannot create and are filled with fear about what you make. Thank you, Jessica. And Robin Marie. Seventy-seven. Images are perceived, not known. Knowledge cannot deceive, but perception can. Man can perceive himself as self-creating, but he cannot do more than believe it. He cannot make it true. And as we said before, when you finally perceive correctly, you can only be glad that you cannot. But until then, the belief that you can is the central foundation stone in your thought system, and all your defenses are used to attack ideas which might bring it to light. You still believe you are images of your own creation. Your minds are split with your souls on this point, and there is no resolution while you believe one thing that is literally inconceivable. That is why you cannot create and are filled with fear about what you make. 78. The mind can make the belief in separation very real and very fearful, and this belief is the, quote, devil, unquote. It is powerful, active, destructive, and clearly in opposition to God because it literally denies his fatherhood. Never underestimate the power of this denial. Look at your lives and see what the devil has made, but know that this making will surely dissolve in the light of truth because its foundation is a lie.
Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. The mind can make the belief the mind can make the belief in separation very real and very fearful. And this belief is the quote devil, end quote. It is powerful, active, destructive, and clearly in opposition to God because it literally denies his fatherhood. Never underestimate the power Never underestimate the power of denial. Look at your lives and see what the devil has made. But know that this making will surely dissolve in the light of truth because its foundation is a lie. 79. Your creation by God is the only foundation which cannot be shaken because the light is in it. Your starting point is truth, and you must return to this beginning. Much has been perceived since then, but nothing else has happened. That is why your souls are still in peace, even though your minds are in conflict. You have not yet gone back far enough and that is why you become so fearful. As you approach the beginning, you feel the fear of the destruction of your thought system upon you, as if it were the fear of death. There is no death, but there is a belief in death. Excuse me. Thank you, Donna. Yeah. Uh, is there a new reader for 79 and 80? I can do it, Lemoyne. Okay, go ahead, Judy. Okay, thank you. 79. Your creation by God is the only foundation which cannot be shaken because the light is in it. Your starting point is truth, and you must return to this beginning. Much has been perceived since then, but nothing else has happened. That is why your souls are still at peace, even though your minds are in conflict. You have not yet gone back far enough, and that is why you become so fearful. As you approach the beginning, you will feel the fear of destruction of your thought system upon you as if it were the fear of death. But there is no death. There is no death, but there is a belief in death. (laughs) Excuse me. The Bible says that the branch that bears no fruit will be cut off and will wither away. Be glad. The light will shine from 
from the true foundation, with a capital F, foundation of life. And your own thought system will stand corrected. It cannot stand otherwise. You who fear salvation are willing death. Life and death, light and darkness, knowledge and perception are irreconcilable. To believe that they can be reconciled is to believe that God and man cannot. Only the oneness of knowledge is conflictless. Your kingdom is not of this world because it was given you from beyond this world. Only in this world is the idea of the authority problem meaningful. The world is not left by death, but by truth, and truth can be known by all those for whom the kingdom was created and for whom it waits. Amen. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for paragraph 80? Is there another new reading for paragraph 80? Patricia here. Okay. Unless you'd like to read, please go ahead. Okay. Thank you. The Bible says that the branch that bears no fruit will be cut off and will wither away. Be glad. The light will shine from the true foundation of life, and your own thought system will stand corrected. It cannot stand otherwise. You who fear salvation are willing death. Life and death, light and darkness, knowledge and perception are irreconcilable. To believe that they can be reconciled is to believe that God and man cannot. Only the oneness of knowledge is conflict-less. Only the oneness of knowledge is conflict-less. Your kingdom is not of this world because it was given you from beyond this world. Only in this world is the idea of an authority problem meaningful. The world is not left by death, but by truth. And truth can be known by all those for whom the kingdom was created and for whom 
it way. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, I think I'll ask again. Is there is there anyone else who would like to read paragraph eighty? Anyone else for paragraph eight? Okay. Well, get back to it here. And um, I'll try to make a brief summary. Um, and uh, ask again if there's a volunteer someone who would be willing to lead the lesson at the top of the hour. In the meantime, I'll go. Section 9, Creating Go ahead. I can do it. It's Karen. The lesson. Like the lesson? Okay, great. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Okay, for section nine, creating versus the self-image. And I just have to point out in the title that these these are really like very different things. Create is different than hold stuff. But this is this is why it's important is every system of thought must have a starting point. It begins with either a making or a creating. The resemblance is only lies in their power as foundation. The difference in what lies in what rests upon them flows from <clears throat> Both uh, creating and self-image are cornerstone for systems of belief by which men live. It's a mistake to believe that any thought system which is based on lies is weak. Nothing made by a child of God is without power. It's essential to realize this because otherwise you will not understand why you have so much trouble with this course. And you will be unable to escape from the prison you have made for yourself. 73. You cannot resolve the authority problem by depreciating the power of your mind. To do so is to deceive yourself, and this will hurt you because you know the strength of your mind. You also know that you cannot weaken it any more than you can weaken God. In the system of separate self-images, we're left with uh, 
<clears throat> a picture that makes absolutely no sense. One in which man acts in a way which he himself realizes is self-destructive, but which he does not choose to correct and therefore perceives the cause as beyond control. The fall or the separation, <clears throat> its meaning must be clearly understood without symbol. The separation is not symbolic. It is an order of reality or a system of thought that is real enough in time. It exists, though not in eternity, but it's not real or it's illusion. Yet, all beliefs are real to the believer. <clears throat> the fruit of only one tree was, quote-unquote, forbidden to man in symbolic garden. The tree, so-called tree, which was forbidden, was named the, quote, tree of knowledge. Yet God created knowledge and gave it freely to his creation. The symbolism here has been given many interpretations, but you may be sure that any interpretation which sees either God or his creation uh, as capable of destroying their own purpose is in error. Let's so, this interpretation that eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge is a symbolic expression for incorporating into the self the ability for self-creating. Yet this is the only sense in which God and his soul are not co-creators. The belief that they are is implicit in the self-concept, self-image, a concept now made acceptable by its weakness, and explained by a tendency of the self to create an image of itself. The fear aspect is often ascribed to fear of retaliation by a father figure. Yet this refers to an image of a father in relation to an image of itself. Images are perceived, not known. Knowledge cannot deceive, but perception can. Man can perceive himself as self-creating, but he cannot do more than deceive it. He cannot make it true. As we have said before, when you finally perceive correctly, you can only be glad that you cannot create yourself. But until then, the belief that you can create yourself is the central foundation stone in your thoughts. <clears throat> and all your defenses are used to attack ideas which might bring this cornerstone to light. <clears throat> you still believe you are images of your own creation. Your minds are split with your souls on this point, and there is no resolution while you believe one thing that is literally inconceivable. That is why you cannot create and are filled with fear about what you make. 
but no, that all that's been made in this way will surely dissolve in the light of truth as the foundation is alive. Your creation by God is the only foundation which cannot be shaken because the light is in it. Your starting point is truth and innocence, and you must return to this innocent beginning, which has been perceived since then, but nothing else happened. This is why your souls are still in peace, even though your minds are in conflict. As you approach the beginning, you feel the fear of the destruction of your thought system upon you, as if it were fear of death. There is not death, but there is a belief in death. The Bible says that the branch that bears no fruit will be cut off and will wither away. Be glad. The light will shine from the true foundation of life and your own thought system will stand corrected. It cannot stand others. You who fear salvation are willing death. Light, life and death, light and darkness, knowledge and perception are irreconcilable. To believe that they can be reconciled is to believe that God and man can not be reconciled. Only the oneness of knowledge is conflictless. Your kingdom is not of this world because it was given you from beyond this world. Only in this world is the idea of an authority problem meaningful. The world is not left by death, but by truth. And truth can be known by all those for whom the kingdom was created and for whom it waits. Thank you, Lemoyne. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Very nicely done. Yes, Lemoyne. Thank you very much. It was great. Well, I'm beginning to learn. And to plan only to be led. Okay. And um, if I may, I'd like to turn to you now, uh, Karen, for a review of the lesson today. Lesson 37. My Holiness, Lesson 4. Lesson 37. My Holiness Blesses the World. This idea contains the first glimmerings of your true function in the world or why you are here. Your purpose is to see the world through your own holiness. Thus are you and the world blessed together. No one loses, nothing is taken away from anyone. Everyone gains through your holy vision. It signifies the end of sacrifice, and it offers everyone his full due. It is his birthright as a son of God. 
There is no other way. The idea of sacrifice can be removed from the world's thinking. Any other way of seeing will inevitably demand payment. Wholeness is restored to awareness through your vision. Holiness blesses by asking nothing. Those who see themselves as whole make no demands. Holiness is the salvation of the world. Holiness teaches the world that it is one with you. And through the quiet recognition in your holiness are all things blessed. My holiness blesses the world. The the perception not bless me alone. I see in its light shares in the joy it brings to me. There is nothing that is apart from this joy because there is nothing that does not share my holiness. As I recognize my holiness, so does the holiness of the world shine forth for everyone to see. My holiness blesses the world. My holiness blesses the world. The floor is open. Amen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. That was lovely. Yes, it was. Thank you, Karen. I have a comment. Um, yesterday, my my holiness blesses every envelops everything I see, and the day before, which was, uh, my mind is part of God's. I am very holy, and today is my holiness blesses the world. Each of those lessons comes up against the image, the the self image, the self made ego image and so there's a feeling of resistance because that that um, self-made image that we were reading about today um, stands against the truth but my holiness is the creation of God that's the truth so um, I can let go of my split mind and let go of the conflict and just accept myself as God created me. And if I accept my holiness, if I accept the truth that God created, 
then I can offer blessings to the world. I'm complete. Oh, that was beautiful, Karen. Thank you for putting those two together. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Yes, excellent. Karen, thank you very much. This is Donna. I, um, Jesus put into many words something he said in scripture in six words. He said, ye cannot serve God and mammon. <clears throat> and that's what he's telling us here as well. Belief Belief made perception. So right away, belief has no reality, whether we believe or disbelieve. And reality created knowing. So reality is God. And and he created knowing because he knows everything. (laughs) And we're his image and likeness. And the, the, the thing that... I hold to is the two cannot be mixed and that's what Jesus says in scripture he says you cannot serve God or man and you're going to hate the one or you know or be swallowed up by the one and, and, and uh, disregard the other so <clears throat> what I do love is <clears throat> this section uh, brings the word faith, which is really knowing, but we don't know. So, because we're in this dream world, so. Um, but the faith is a gift given by God, so we always have that right there. You know, I don't. I I could hardly read the paragraph I read. It's this section is so marked up by me that uh, it's mind-blowing. So that's where I'm at, trying to think no garbage that my belief system maintains and to only know the truth. And uh, eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge is really saying another way, believing in what is not real. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. That was beautiful. Thank you, Donna. Thank you.
Hi, this is Jude. Good morning, everybody. I um, appreciate it, Karen, the way you did the lesson. It, it um, heightened, heightened an, uh, an awareness, the awareness of love's presence and the, the totality of the mind that, you know, it's the creator of the universes of the universes and, you know, the limitless power of the love of that and the peace and the joy in his creating us in his likeness and image. Um, all that all that is encompassed in my, my idea, my thought of what holiness is. What is holiness? Holiness and wholeness and completion. And then the word with the capital W comes to mind and um, how he spoke the word or thought the word or and that word was us, the totality of its creation. And that is what I am, um, the familiarity with which we all say I am. I am aware. I am aware I think. I am aware I have a body. I am aware there is a world. But the, um, the idea that we cannot make an image of ourselves and that we, can, we cannot eat of the knowledge of, of what and where and who God created us to be, that we could destroy ourselves. And <laughs> this is like such freedom from the dream, you know. It's like I can imagine I have a body that dies, but in truth it's not real. I imagine a world in which people can hurt me or hurt each other, but it's not real. The idea that we can hurt ourselves whatsoever is that we are untouchable spirit ideas thoughts in the mind of god actually one thought one connected thought and what seems to be and what appears to be in the world of perception that perception all is a block to the knowledge of who we are it's the trick the trick of time to forget who and what and where we are, and the magnitude of that. Um, the text today really holds, 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 holds so much. The, um, whew, you know, the, and the whole idea of forgiving, forgiving what's not happened. We, uh, this is only a wish, it's a dream, but it's not the will of God. And the whole, the whole distinction between willing with the will of God, only the thoughts of God are worthy of me, and only, only what is worthy of God is worthy of me. And everything else is little and meaningless by comparison. It's like... Let's wrap our heads around that. <laughs> That's the thing. We can't. <laughs> we have to let go of our little minds, our li limited, finite, separated parts of the mind of God which we share. Um, let go of everything I think I know, everything I know from the past. Um, all that is perception, sin, sickness, suffering, pain, death, being a body that all this is an imagination 
is a is a mirage, is a dream in a mind that, for whatever reason, it wanted to imagine it. It came to appear to be be real because we invested so much value and belief in it. So I'm going to go with what I really treasure: heaven, heaven, complete, incredible lightness of being, spirit, immortal and free, full of joy and peace and love. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, that Judy. Complete. I'll join you in heaven. <laughs> Good morning, it's Karen again. Um, just a few little comments about the, um, the, the text reading. Uh, I, like everyone else, I'm sure on the call, have many, many layers of highlighting and underlining and starring and everything else. But this um, paragraph 78, the mind can make belief in separation very real and very fearful, and this belief is the devil. It is powerful, destructive, active, and clearly opposition to God because it literally denies his fatherhood. Never underestimate the power of this denial. Look at your lives and see what the devil has made, but know that this making will surely dissolve in the light of truth because its foundation is a lie. And I'm sure other people share this, but being raised Catholic, oh my God, it's like my entire life, even into my spiritual life, even to my spiritual community, which was um, a very metaphysical community, but it definitely believed in the devil. It definitely believed in the devil. There was all this exorcism type stuff going on all the time. And the belief in the devil was the scariest, most powerful belief. I think that was um, programmed into my into my human brain this lifetime. For the Course in Miracles to be released from the beliefs that are unreal and untrue is it's the greatest liberation. It's the greatest freedom that I've ever known in my life to let go of fear. And I am just so grateful. There is no, there's just no, uh, no way to put that in words, to be taught finally that this isn't true. And even in Hinduism, I, I find myself that they want you to meditate. I mean, my spiritual teacher anyway, our community would, would be like meditate until you realize that you're not separate and meditate until you until you realize your true self. But to be given this gift of free of being freed from the falsehood is just beyond words. The course is such a gift. And I'm grateful to share it with all of you. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was I beautiful. Agree. Thank you, Karen. What a gift. 
Thank, Thank you, you Karen. Karen. That was lovely. Beautiful description of freedom. Thank you. Good morning. This is Jessica. Um, Well, I was raised with... uh, definitely no belief in the devil or the ha- or hell or even God. So I was free to choose whatever I wanted to believe. And um, what was kind of missing in that whole scenario, or a lot of things were missing, but um, one of the things was an understanding that the, the devil in truth is, is, the the only way that we do experience what could be called anything close to a devil is the ego. And the the wonderful thing about that is that the ego actually doesn't have any power. Um, cannot combat God. Cannot even combat um, anything about the truth of who I am. So, but but I still have to learn that I have to learn to choose Holy Spirit and that I am not in charge of my salvation. I cannot save myself. I need to um, turn my attention away from the ego's messages and and ask for Holy Spirit to guide me at every step. Um, and I, this is easy to forget. And I think that, um, you know, the whole idea of of the devil battling with God for possession of the souls he created, um, it kind of feels like that sometimes. And it, it's not the way it is, but it's just a, a, a choice. And sometimes the choice feels very wrought or fraught. <laughs> um, because I guess because you know there's there's a part of me that still wishes that you know I could create myself, um, but I know when when I'm in my right mind, I know that there's nothing in that that is anything close to the beautiful truth of of um, joining God and letting go of what I think might be in my best interest which I don't know. Thank you. Thank you for emphasizing right-mindedness, Jessica. That was beautiful. Thank you, Jessica. That was lovely. Thank you. 
this is Donna. <clears throat> I was reflecting as uh, <clears throat> Karen was reading, uh, went, went back to uh, review the, uh, this weekend's lesson. When I said to myself, so my holiness, I am very holy. That's how I, <clears throat> it came to me in my thought. I said, I'm very holy. I'm holy. And then it occurred to me, well, you know what? I don't really, quote, unquote, believe that. And I thought to myself, well, maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, When will I see myself as holy? And it occurred to me that only when I look out at every individual that I come upon and every individual I hear about or see about, no matter how lovely or seemingly unlovely, when I can really look out and see these individuals as holy, then I think that's when I'll say, oh my God, I'm holy too. I am complete. Oh boy, that was great, Donna. Thank you. There's a miracle principle for that, Donna. Um, that um, in the untangling, uh, it seems to have taken years. Um, but what you said is exactly right, in accordance with miracle principle 42. It says wholeness is the perceptual content of miracles. It thus corrects or atones for the faulty perception of lack anywhere. Here's the tangly part. Here we begin to make the fundamental distinction between miracles and projection. The stimulus must precede the response and will also determine the kind of response that is evoked. Behavior is a response. So that the question becomes response to what? Becomes crucial. Since stimuli are identified through perception, you first perceive the stimulus and then behave accordingly. It follows then that as you perceive, so shall you behave. The golden rule asks that you behave toward others as you would have them behave toward you. This means that the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive accurately because appropriate behavior depends on lack of level confusion. That's body-spirit awareness. The presence of level confusion always results in variable reality testing and therefore in variability of behavioral appropriateness. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of the same family, As you perceive both, so will you behave toward both. The way to perceive for golden rule behavior 
is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. Perception of both must be accurate. So when I perceive the holiness of my brother, I know it is my holiness doing that perceiving. And then there's no question about behavior because we're the same. And I will respond with loving awareness to that brother. That's, you, you hit on it really beautifully. I love the way you said it. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. And thank you, Karen. Yes, thank you. You know, I I often, um, when I was in the process of trying to understand that, I often, (laughs) it occurred to me, who blesses whom in this life? Who blesses whom? And it finally dawned on me that the blessing is in the encounter. Um, Whether I give the blessing or the blessing is given me, makes absolutely no difference at all. And that's why um, my holiness blesses the world because because there's no lack. There's no idea of sacrifice. Nothing's called upon anyone to lose anything. It's, It's a conferring or a sharing of abundance. And it denies the ego thought system. Um, not by fighting the ego thought system, but by replacing it with something so much greater. Um, It matters not. In fact, in, in point of fact, life is the blessing itself. Whether I give it or it's given me makes no difference whatsoever. If I give my brother an opportunity to bless me, Oh, yay. If my brother gives me an opportunity to bless him, oh, yay. Um, The idea is the wholeness in the blessing. And the wholeness is conferred to both who are blessed by the encounter. This is how I realize that myself, my capitalist self, includes all of creation. There's no other way. Uh, to lift me out of that belief that I'm alone, that I live in lack, that um, life is losing, that I'm limited, that I'm a being of need. Um, Blessing obliterates all that, not by fighting it, not by telling myself that I'm wrong and making myself do something different against my will. Rather, it sweeps me up. Blessing sweeps me up and sweeps up with me whomever is involved in that encounter. That's the nature of holiness. It's not something belonging to me. I don't co-opt it. It's the way God works uh, by extending himself. And blessing is the nature of that extension to me. Um, 
it, it just feels so complicated. Um, you know, it, it, you can think of dozens of encounters. I can think of dozens of encounters that involve something troublesome. And where it really came to life for me one day was going to, uh, to the pharmacy window and presenting my insurance card and getting my medicine. Um, because of the nature of my insurance at the time, it was always problematic. Um, you know, like she didn't understand or I would have to uh, explain or, or something like that. But that day I said to myself, this encounter is going to be a blessing. This lady would like to bless me and I would like to bless this lady. How can I make that possible? Simply by letting it be what it was, recognizing that she wanted to make me happy in her soul. We all do. We all want to be helpful and happy and, and share that kind of purpose. Um, and so the encounter became holy because it already was. I let go of the idea of trouble, of lack and limitation. Um, blessing is a is a really powerful thing to me, and uh, it makes my life really happy. I'm complete. Thank you for sharing your story. It really hit home. Yes, it sure did. Thank you, Laurie. Hi, it's Lana. And what you shared, Laurie, is, is uh, was so cool because it's like I have to give myself permission and I have to give the world permission um, to be what it is. Otherwise, my goofy ego mind will create an image of what it is not. And that usually isn't very pleasant. <laughs> you know, the ego is a real piece of work. It's um, uh, at one end of, at one extreme, it'll tell me, oh, you're nothing, you're worthless, you're a worthless pile of poop. And at the other end, it would try to convince me that I'm God. You know, and where um, Jesus mentioned that, um, you know, that part where we are willing to sell our soul for worldly um, advantages or experiences, you know, what could be more tempting for the ego to do than to convince us that we are God? It so wants to be God. <laughs> it so wants to be God, but... Um, I think it's it's a fine line between the idea of oneness with God, but knowing that um, God is my creator. I did not create God, and I did not create myself. Um, I'm part of the whole. And the image that I conjure up in my mind is this great big, a huge, infinite cloud of God, which it represents the all of everything. And I'm this little piece extending from God. I still contain and maintain all the attributes of the whole. 
but um, God extended me out of its own being. So I have that power, you know, to be used either by um, the ego to create a lofty self-image of myself or a valueless, unworthy image of myself or anything in between. But ego never represents the truth of me. I can only experience that when I accept that I'm one with God. I'm one with all creation. Um, Not as its creator, but as a co-creator with God. Because once the creation of the son happened, that parent-child relationship was established. And um, I have, just like genetics gives me lots of attributes of my parents, um, I have all the attributes from my father, from God, to use in a way uh, to establish my truth as God created me, or to... Uh, establish a self-image that has nothing to do with the truth about me, you know, and and um, when I give my, you know, just like that little story about the pharmacy that was so cool, Lori, because it's like I have to give my permission and permission to everyone that peoples my world, permission to be who they are. And once I do that, they show up as love, as creations of God. Um, it's a powerful being today. I'll all this sharing, too. So thank you. I'm complete. No, that was just so whole. <laughs> thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. I just had another thought about um, the reading in the text that stood out to me is that beliefs in lies are not weak. And that's what's going on in our world so much. There's so much belief in lies, in falsehood. And so I really need to think about my beliefs what are my beliefs? You know, I have to start really looking at what the ego is still holding on to and what my mind is still rejecting in the way of truth, like my holiness. And the other thing that I was going to say is um, when I thought about seeing the holiness in my brother, first I have to see it in myself. Because otherwise I'm projecting my guilt into the world. And I know that it it works both ways, but for me it felt more meaningful to try and recognize that my holiness is real. 
that that part of me that God created is real, and that that um, strength is what gives me love to share with others. When I feel strong in that, I feel loving toward everyone, <laughs> not the other way around. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, the difference between abundance and lack. That was beautiful, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This is Donna. This may sound a little off the wall, but then again, I'm off the wall. Um, When you said that what I said reminded you of uh, Miracle 42, I thought, I wonder what miracle that could be. And when you said 42, I, I nearly, I nearly, jumped, nearly levitated, really, really intrusive, nearly because that's the year I was born. So why does that have any meaning? I don't know. I may have told this story before, but <clears throat> and uh, how about 1974? No, it was 1984. Uh, we didn't have the rent money, and it was due. So I'm, I'm driving on the way uh, to work to my little waitress job. And I'm so desperate. And I make this prayer. I said, God, if you're real, let 542 come in. I put a dollar on it. And it came in. <laughs> and it, it was $500. So, uh, so ever since then, numbers have, have a meaning to me. And the other time I won money, even though I vowed to God and, and was so guilt-ridden for years, because I vowed to God I'll never play the lottery again. I don't know if anybody else has made a vow to God and not kept it, but uh, <clears throat> uh, it gives you a lot of guilt. So then once again, I played uh, a number that is my social, the last four digits of my social security number, which I just sat and figured in my head also work out to be my birthday numbers in another way. And it was $5,000. So it's so interesting that God now uses the Holy Spirit. I give the Holy Spirit credit for everything. I can get up and go out and have no idea for sure. Even if I'm driving the right way, I'll say, you know, I have two choices, I'll do one or the other. And I will come up to a red light and there will be my, my birthday numbers looking at me on a plate from, couldn't be from anywhere from California, from Connecticut, from uh, Ohio. And, and, and it's like, okay, okay. I go into restaurants. And I was sitting with four people, which I was ambivalent about getting together with these individuals and just starting something new at that level of life. And we got four sales checks, and my sales checks and my birthing them on so I learned to, I don't know, this is how I walk with God. These kind of little things that make no sense seem insane, keep occurring. 
a lot. <laughs> now if I'm reading something profound in a book, I say, oh, but that's on one of my birthday numbers, and I'll look down and for sure it is. So I don't know why I'm telling this story, except I, like I always say, I am alone. I travel alone. It's just worked out that way. No, it hasn't worked out that way. I guess I was called for this walk because this is how I'm learning. We may make a, we may make a, a creature to walk around in a dream, and we can believe in it all we want to, but that God already has the plan worked out. So, so. Scripture tells us our steps are ordered by the Lord, and I, I hang on to stuff like that because I'm learning that even when I make mistakes, they're not mistakes, they work to the good. I am complete. Oh, that was so sweet, Donna. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Good morning, it's Mindy. Hi, um, uh, addressing the workbook today. Um, when I really was able to see that my holiness blesses the world, um, my kitty cat just relaxed and started to purr. 
uh, especially when I said my holy place is my cat. And she's been not real happy or contented because of the addition of three kitties that I'm domesticating and hoping to adopt out sometime soon. And she feels pretty invaded, and I can tell she's offended and feels like a victim. And I thought, wow. What is the opposite of my holiness blesses the world, but the world victimizes me? And I thought, wow, that lesson, I'm not a victim of the world I see. When I really get that, and I get that I'm whole and complete, when I really get that nothing has hurt me, that I'm whole, that I'm complete, that I'm holy, and I'm aware of my my healed condition, and that everything is, is as it could be, that's when the peace of God shines through me. And to me, there's no greater blessing than the blessing of peace. Um, because no matter what I'm dealing with or someone else is dealing with, when peace enters, whether there's sadness, whether there's hardship, whether there's pain, all of a sudden, it takes on this not role of attacker or reality, but whatever pain or sadness might be there is is incorporated in the whole of the... <laughs> of the beautiful world of, of love and openness and, and connection and all feelings are welcomed and they're all nurturing and they all feed us and they all bring us back to love. And I thought to myself, oh God, Mindy, you really got to do that lesson. I'm not a victim of the world I see because I could so see how um, the inner voice tries to keep telling me I'm different from everybody and I'm not holy and I'm not this and I'm not that. I'm going... Wow. And at first I just felt victimized by the, the feeling that, oh, my God, I'm still feeling like I'm a victim. And it's like, okay, time to get off of this merry-go-round. So um, interestingly enough, I noticed that I actually missed that workbook call. I, I'm usually on 90% of them, and I missed that one, and I missed it last time, too. And it's like, oh, boy, do I see where my resistance to being holy and part of God um, shows up? And truly that really is a huge one for most of us. We, we have victim written all over us because we see ourselves as separate and as bodies that can be harmed. So um, the, the statement of that I am holy and if I feel like I've sinned, it's only the illusory self, the self that is made up of illusions that I perceive as me, who of course is going to make mistakes who of course is going to feel like there's been something taken or that I've taken those caused harm. That's my illusory self. And I really want to embrace that I'm a whole, complete, innocent child of God. And I've never done anything wrong and no one's ever done anything to harm me and that I'm living in the pureness of that innocence and that love and that peace. And that I'm an eternal being who's able in every moment to feel the love of God and the joy of being alive and how perfect and wonderful it all really is. No victim in sight. So that is my commitment. I'm sure the ego is going to give me a run for my money, but it should be fun, and hopefully I can journal it and get a few laughs out of it. <laughs> so here's, here I go. I'm putting my hat on. You, we know what happens when we make a commitment, right? I know what happens when I make a commitment. The universe provides ample opportunity for me to 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 actually manifest my intention. 
So, uh-oh. <laughs> I am willing easily and be a happy learner and to have to be not a victim, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. Anyway, my holiness blesses the world. And, uh, <laughs> and so does my humanness. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Mm. A sense of humor, that is something, too, I'm committed to because, you know, as we learn, being a happy learner, I think it just occurred to me if I have a sense of humor, even when challenging things happen, I can still be a happy learner. Yay. I don't have to make a demand of the Holy Spirit that I learn easily. I can just say, let me be a happy learner, (laughs) and then everything's okay. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Mindy. What was I? Thanks, y'all. <clears throat> I've I've always had the couple lines uh, that stayed with me, and I, they're reminding me of a simplicity that uh, I I overlook and desire to <clears throat> understand first before I know, and. Uh, Something has been there, but escaping my full acceptance. So the the lines are um, essentially all healing is the release from fear, and the other one, which is which is already already passed, the other one comes a little later, where it says the therapist does not heal. He or she lets healing be, and it's like you really need to do nothing. <laughs> what is that nothing that that works in the in the sense? It's not a doing, but it is a being, right? It's let the healing be. Let it be present or flow through, and. Uh, Something I noticed in the lesson today is a very short second sentence in the lesson. Your purpose is to see the world through your own holiness. Like, oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> and this is, this is, in course of love terms, this is the entry, this is the method of entry into giving and receiving at one. 
the next sentence. Thus are you and the world blessed together. And uh, so I, I'm also struck by the last paragraph and last The shorter exercises consist of repeating the idea as often as you can. <laughs> it is particularly helpful to apply it silently to anyone you meet you think their name as you do so. It is essential to use the idea if anyone seems to cause an adverse reaction. Offer him the blessing of your wholeness, holiness, and wholeness immediately that you may learn to keep it in your own awareness. The function of forgiveness is only to restore us to our purpose, which is the only. That's quite clicked in for me. Till today, thank you all very much. Thank you, Lemoyne. <clears throat> that was really wonderful. Thank you, Lemoyne. I enjoyed that. That was great. Oh, just wonderful, Lemoyne. Thank you. What a gift. Well, is there anyone else who would like to share before we end the recording? Oh, Lori, have you got something for us? That's great. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. You, thanks, you guys. I don't... Um, so many places arise to um, close this recording, but it occurs to me, based on what you just shared, Lemoyne, that a good place would be from the summary of yesterday's idea, which was my holiness envelops everything I see. Accepting the correction of my thought system is what enables this, accepting atonement for myself he says, from my holiness does the perception of the real world come. Having forgiven, I no longer see myself as guilty. I can accept the innocence that is the truth about me. Seen through understanding eyes, the holiness of the world is all I see. For I can picture only the thoughts I hold about myself. Accepting atonement for myself gives me that correction so that I can picture from the perception of my holiness, which does not bless me alone. Everyone and everything I see in its light shares in the joy it brings to me. There is nothing 
that is apart from this joy because there is nothing that does not share my holiness. As I recognize my holiness, so does the holiness of the world shine forth for everyone to see. When I'm filled with the truth and withdraw my belief in separation and invite its healing so that my thoughts line up with my purpose of seeing everyone and everything through holiness, I'm led to tomorrow's lesson. (laughs) So anyway, thank you. These five lessons, I'm just going to write write this thought about holiness. God wants to experience his love and happiness through me. That's my true purpose. And that's my blessing. Amen. Thank you, Lori Lemoyne. Thank you, everyone. Great call. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. What a wonderful view. Oh, it's going to be an abundant one. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Jim.